0: This is the Pro Football Doc Podcast with Dr. David Chow. As a practicing orthopedic surgeon who's performed hundreds of procedures on NFL players and is the former longtime head team physician for the San Diego Chargers, Dr. Chow uses his insider knowledge to decipher injuries to a documented 95% accuracy level. He's the SiriusXM Sports Medical Analyst and is quoted everywhere from SportsCenter to NFL Live. More than 100,000 followers can't be wrong. Following him on Twitter, looking for his instant insights on injuries during games. Now, Dr. David Chow, the Pro Football Doc.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Pro Football Doc podcast. After week three, week four coming up. And please, we have Greg Peterson, our producer, joining us.
2: Welcome, Greg, to the podcast. Dr. Chow, it's great to be on with you as always. How are you?
1: I'm doing good. For the most part, quarterbacks were good this week.
2: Yeah, a couple fewer injuries than last week. Always nice to see the guys under center being able to stay healthy.
1: Well, you know what? Fewer injuries for quarterbacks, but really not fewer injuries all the way around. We'll obviously get to all of that. I'm very excited to have uh someone I don't know very well, but I'm excited to get to know well. Uh, Adam Lufko of Bleacher Report. I think everyone will enjoy him. I've enjoyed his stuff uh hopefully we'll get to know him pretty well here today, and I think it will be fun. It will be a fun uh, guest segment here. But before we get to that, we always have a few things to talk about here. One of the big things to talk about here is Keanu Neal, or Keanu Neal, safety of the Atlanta Falcons. Last year, the first game of the season, he tore his ACL. He actually came back into the game and played a few plays, and then his knee gave out. And the season was done and uh, returned in time for the start of the season, actually looking pretty good, not 100%. And then yesterday, tore his left Achilles on the same side as the ACL. And And I should
2: throw this in here as well. When he threw down his helmet, he got a 15-yard penalty, which is one of the most outrageous things I've ever seen in my life.
1: Well, you know, he was in tears. He was frustrated. You know, uh, I get it. You know, he look when you carry your Achilles, you can't step down and you can't quote step on the gas pedal like point your toe. You kind of know, and uh, oh yeah, yeah, I, I can't blame him for that. I get that. No,
2: I'm not blaming him. I'm blaming the ref for throwing the flag.
1: Yeah, but you know, here's what I've been saying: let's not add insult to injury. Now, it's one thing to throw the flag because in theory that's the rule, and I would hope that the referee didn't know what was going on, and so they were just, you know, it's kind of like the cop that tickets you for going 70 or 75. When he pulls you over, he doesn't know you got a baby coming in the car. You know what I mean? (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I get the referees following rules, but in theory, this is supposed to be followed up with a fine. And I would hope, you know, sanity prevails at 345 Park Avenue, and there's no fine for Keanu Neal. Hopefully, there's no insult to injury here where he's going to get fined. Because in theory, he's supposed to get fined. Hopefully, the NFL sees the light. And uh, maybe this should be the rule, Greg. Yeah, it's a penalty, but you can have the penalty reversed if the player is injured enough that, or there's a medical reason or injured enough that uh, cannot return to the game. Then you sort of (laughs) revert the penalty. Certainly
2: take off fine or, or, or something. I mean,
1: that obviously. Or just
2: use something called common sense.
1: Well, yeah. The thing I don't know, Greg, in defense of referees, I don't know if they're allowed that latitude as the part of the rule book. You, you understand what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if they're going to get downgraded if they don't throw the flag. They got to pull his helmet off. You know, what I mean, as opposed to, I don't know. I, I'm not in referee meetings. That's the only thing, but that's not the funniest thing that the referees do out there. I was having a good time this weekend, you know, on a couple of things. Spots of the ball. I always, you know, we measure so precisely, but then we spot the ball, and let's just say that's right. And then you throw it. Let's say it's near the sideline. Then you just throw it across the field and just eyeball where you put it down. And uh, I had some fun things about that. My favorite is the is the is the shank punt, where the referee stands behind the punter, puts his arm up and points in a direction like a sundial. And then the uh, mm-hmm. side judge kind of just walks, runs up along, and goes, yeah, "I'm about even for where you're pointing, <laughs> where the sundial's pointing." It's just, that's where it goes, you know. Meanwhile, we have all these next gen stats and stat trackers, and it's moving 22 pieces on a football field like a game, video game, <laughs> and we're doing sundial for a thing. But it is what it is, and uh, and obviously we still use chain links for first downs. But it is what it is. Um, on another more fun topic, the baby boom, or maybe we can call it the Super Bowl celebration. Patriots have had three babies recently. Uh, this Sunday, James White missed the game because his wife had a baby, and the Sunday before Kyle Van Oy, and there was a third one in there recently, too. What happened about nine months ago? I mean, kind of playoffs or Super Bowl? I don't know. <laughs> so... Definitely a baby boom for the Patriots. But the reason why I wanted to talk about it is, you know, it's health news. It's medical news, but it's good news. So, you know, good on the Patriots for letting players out. But this is what normally happens normally in the NFL. If you're have, look, believe it or not, people do try and have babies in the off season, but it just doesn't always work out that way, obviously. And really young guys, they have families. And I'm glad the Patriots realize the importance and don't have any issue with letting them go. Typically what happens, and as a team doctor, I've dealt with this, is that you actually end up trying to schedule a C-section in order to avoid the Sunday pregnancy, you know, water breaking on Sunday or contractions happening on Sunday kind of deal. And typically, most NFL babies of NFL families are born on Tuesdays, the off day. You typically schedule a C-section after, you know, X number of weeks, weeks obviously in consultation with your OB guy, and you schedule a C-section on Tuesday. Now what you can help is if it comes earlier, right? You try not to go to full 40 weeks, but by 36 weeks you try and pick a Tuesday. Because what you don't want to do is, let's say, you know, obviously I was with the San Diego Chargers. We didn't want to be in Jacksonville or, you know, you name the city, right? I mean, and on the East coast, leaving on a Friday and then you have to go through Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And, and heck, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, if you're having a baby, even if you get on a plane, you might not, you might not make it back in time. So we used to plan that out with the OBs and the players and the families. And, you know, once you got to 36 weeks, they talk about a C section on a Tuesday so you could be there. But, uh, that's just a little insight how the NFL handles the deliveries and uh, et cetera. But in the Patriots case, it seems like maybe it wasn't possible to schedule a C-section because maybe, and this is just conjecture, the baby came unexpectedly and a little bit earlier. And uh, certainly they're not scheduling a C-section for a Sunday, but uh, unless there's some health issue, but it sounds like everything's good with James White's kid. Bob know and there's one other player too, who escapes me. So quite the Patriots, uh, baby boom there.
2: Or perhaps the Patriots know that they're so good that they don't need those player too, because they'll just beat the tar out of the teams like the Jets.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> you have the Jets and Dolphins in your d- division, historically. That's that's kind yeah. of a... Strength. Yeah. It's, it's a built-in strength of schedule advantage, I would imagine, but in any case... Well, the other thing that I wanted to talk about in this first segment here before we got into uh, Adam Lufko is... Uh, cluster injuries. We've talked about it before and uh, a little bit about the injury index. I encourage all the listeners here, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. I have a feeling we have a very loyal listener audience. I encourage you to sign up for the new website, profootballdoc.com. It's 100% free. There is no credit card required. There is no okey-doke happening. Put in your email, Pick a password, Gets you into subscriber updates, special videos, there'll be a player search feature soon, field view, lots of new things including an injury index. So what is an injury index? It's how injured one team is versus another. So let's take uh, the Detroit Lions and the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend, just as an example. Not only is it the health grade of the Lions versus the Eagles. And the overall health grade of the Lions I had at a B. And the Eagles at a C+. Plus. But it breaks it down into matchup based. For example, the Eagles pass defense I have as a D in terms of health. And the Lions pass offense a B-. minus. Eagles run defense as a C+. Plus. The overall defense of the Eagles at a C- and, uh, their offense is a B, their defense is a C-. minus. Now, how do I get that? I'm not saying the Eagles are no good. I'm not saying they have a horrible pass defense. I'm saying they're injured in their pass defense, whether it's rushing, coverage linebackers, or a backfield in the DBs. In the Eagles case, They've been dealing with injuries all season, shortage at cornerbacks and safeties. And uh Ronald Darby, their star, is coming off an ACL and he and he just injured his hamstring based on compensation this week. But all season long they've been low on their past defense health grades. Whereas the Lions, you know, have been relatively healthy and getting healthier with Gerard Davis coming back and their left tackle playing. The Eagles on offense got worse too because Alshon Jeffrey and was out as well as Deshaun Jackson, uh, etc. So all these shortages lead to cluster injuries. And where do you see it? Not only in the injury index. I mean the the Lions uh, were getting seven at the start of the week, and by the end of the week they were only getting four because of I think that's what the delta is. So if you go to the injury index or you go to the site, you might get this information earlier, maybe get them closer to 7 than before they actually want outright. By the way, I never give any picks. I'm just giving injury information. Greg, I know you you guys on that's gold. You guys make some picks and do some stuff. I actually never make any picks. All I do is give injury inside information. And for those of you out there who say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, but" you know, the 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 margin of difference in the end was special teams. Agnew for the Lions ran a kickback, and that ultimately was the difference in the game. First of all, you know, understand the Lions were getting seven, and it then whittled down to four, so whether they won the game or not is is, uh, irrelevant. But I would argue special teams is all part of this injury stuff. If you read the quote that Matt Collins, wide receiver, gave to Mike Garofalo, he said something to the effect of, he likes it when he just plays special teams. He feels he can concentrate and excel at it. So when he has to play wide receiver, what happens? He's playing a lot more plays. Look, when you, when you're a backup wide receiver, number four or five on the depth chart, you're there to play special teams. And when you get elevated to playing offensive snaps, the special teams coach doesn't say, okay, you're good. Give me some, some other young guy to run special teams you're still running special teams because you're the special team starter. So you're playing more plays. You're getting more tired. When you weren't playing offensive sl- snaps as a wide receiver, your concentration was on being the best special teams player that you could because that's how you were helping the team. So what happens when you're now playing wide receiver? You're trying to remember plays and say, i got to be the best wide receiver I can. And when you go out there on special teams, what happens, right? Not that you're slacking, but you're like, Okay, that's not my main focus of this game anymore. And, uh, not saying that anyone's dogging it, but you're more tired. You're perhaps not bad out of hell for your 15 plays, you know, or whatever on special team. And you add to that the wide receiver issues as well as the defensive back issues. Well, those are the speed guys on a kickoff team that would be able to chase down and cover Agnew of the Lions, right? So. I would argue that the injury index and these injuries do indeed affect special teams in that way.
2: And let me throw this in here as well. Maybe it's a little bit like a baseball player that's a reliever. He typically comes in for an inning or so. Now he has to start the game, and now he has to go multiple innings, and it's just different from being able to give a short burst rather than having to do multiple things and go longer.
1: No question. There's a lot of differences, and we can get more into the Injury index later, but the Knights game, uh, where, where you guys, that's gold cruised on, right? You guys picked the Bears, but you know, there is pretty clear on the injury side. The Redskins pass offense was a C minus and due to injuries and the Bears pass defense was an A minus. Two great differences, a big deal. Yeah. The Redskins scored, the Bears scored as many points when the Redskins were passing as the Bears did, right? <laughs> so. Or, or as much as the Redskins did. I got that backwards, but in any case, with that, let's take a quick break here, and we'll come back with the second segment with our special guest segment, uh, Adam Lefko of Free Report.
0: Your bet is made. The game is on. Then a key player goes down. Or a Monsoon moves in. You need to make adjustments. Not to worry, MyBookie is here for you all through the game. The MyBookie app is where you make those in-game bets. MyBookie.ag is the home of a unique, personalized, stress-free gaming experience. And that goes for everything. Sports, casino games, horse racing. And MyBookie's superb customer service team is available to assist you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, by phone, email, or chat. New to MyBookie? Great. Your first deposit's going to double up to $1,000. Just enter the promo code PROFOOTBALLDUCK. There's a lot more I could tell you, but here's the easy way. Head to mybookie.ag. M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G. MyBookie. Bet. Win. Get paid. More now with Dr. David Chow, the Pro Football Doc. All right. Welcome back from the break. Segment
3: two of the Pro Football Doc podcast. Very pleased to have on special guest here, Adam Lefko of Bleacher Report. Really don't know him very well, but just am a big admirer of his work at the Bleacher Report and all his fun features. I mean, look. I wish I could be more like him and have more personality. Maybe this is the yin, yin and the yang. I'm the straight guy and and you're the entertainment and the guy with personality. So welcome to the show. I love that
4: because you know what? I love to work with people that are the best at what they do. Like right now with my podcast, to get to work with Warren Sharp and talk about the lines. It's amazing. So to get to talk to you who actually knows what's going on when someone goes down, I think this could be the partnership that we've been waiting for. Let's do this.
3: <laughs> let's go. Let's let's figure it out. Except I, I can't remember all injuries like Sean McVay remembers oh. every play, and uh, I probably can't even throw the ball further than my six year old at this point in time. Like Muhammad Sanu that he, when he threw the ball. So I love the stuff that you do. Uh, That's awesome. Adam.
4: I think you're going to like this week. What I noticed this off season in this the beginning of the year was the internet's obsession with Quinn and Williams, and how everything he did became a viral sensation. And so what's going to be coming out on Wednesday night, we are officially going to make Quinn and Williams the king of the internet. And we're going to turn the best memes of all time into queens by putting him in them. And I think people are going to love his personality. And all I'm trying to do, man, is, is show people that NFL players have personality. Try and bring that NBA attitude to the NFL because usually they're just, they're just product. And now it's time to realize that they're great people.
3: I think that's great because the NFL has always been about uniformity, about the shield, right? I mean, you have to have your socks have to meet your pants. You can't have anything individual. You know, uh, they control visor shield colors based on some, and we've talked about on the show. Oh, my gosh. uh, You can't have a tinted visor on because if you get knocked out, the trainers or doctors can't see the eyes rolling back of your head. I mean, (laughs) that that doesn't even pass the smell test. Wow! And, uh, but then they sign a deal w- with a shield company, a visor company. Now you everyone can wear a certain tint, right? But medical excuses that players would have, there, there was no reason for that. They just want uniformity, and I get it. It's worked for the league. So you're you're the you're the anti-uniformity guy. So some personality. That's that that is awesome.
4: Yeah, I mean, think about your former team and what's going on right now with Melvin Gordon where think about how many Melvin Gordon jerseys are across the state of California. And I understand in the analytics community, and I also agree with it, that running backs can be replaceable in today's NFL. At the same time, think about the personality that Melvin Gordon has and how many people love him and how just like that, because he's not playing by the same rules, we can just excommunicate him. For me, it's not the reason I came into sports. I came in because I loved certain guys. I loved Brian Dawkins. You know, I loved Deuce Staley, and I wanted to see them. And so we always do everything of of what we loved as a kid. I'm sure you were the same way with medicine.
3: Yeah, well, you know, I like trying to innovate in medicine. Uh, Growing up, though, I mean, uh, I wasn't always a Charger fan. I grew up in L.A., and I wasn't a Rams fan. You know who I liked growing up? Because of personality. I liked what I would call the white hats and I liked the black hats. Mm. So I loved, the, I loved the Dallas Cowboys because they were the white hats, quote, the good guys. Yeah. And they had personality that way. And growing up, I also loved the Raiders sure. because they were the black hats, right? I mean, they had personality. That's what you love to see in, uh, in, uh, root for, Or well, the Rams. No offense. They were just somewhere in the middle. And, right. Uh, Oh, because
4: think about it, right? Like the Rams had Eric Dickerson, who we see is sort of like this created image of what a pro should be. And, and what I think is so funny is I love when teams' identities match the, the franchises and how we used to know them. Like I love that Daniel Jones is a carbon copy of Eli Manning and like from like lack of personality and he comes in here and he's perfect for New York. And then I look down at Gardner Minshew And I go, what a perfect quarterback for Jacksonville. Like the quarterback of Jacksonville should be wearing jorts with a mustache and like a bandana on their head. I like John Gruden on the Raiders because it's a personality that matches up well. And it's it it just feels more fun when that happens.
3: Absolutely. Well, a couple of things you hit on there. First of all, thank you so much for thinking that I'm younger than I am to go Eric Dickerson. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I'm talking when I was in high school, we're talking Vince Ferragamo. I mean, wow. uh, et cetera. So I, I'm old guy. But thank you for saying Eric Dickerson there. You took away your your mind reader, not only your personality, your mind readers. I My question to you, and you already answered it, was next question was going to be, what kind of clothes would you put Gardner Minshew in? And you already answered it. George, that's yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. That's absolutely correct. And the best thing is, like, in a very buttoned-up league, you get guys to do this and open up. I mean, how do you get Sean McVay? How do you get these guys to do this? You just ask and they say, sure, no problem. I mean, you're able to get stuff that no one else can. And I love it. I think
4: um, what's interesting is, so I've been working at Bleach Report for six years and Bleach Report has always existed in this mindset before at least of shorter consumable content. And I would go to things like the NFLPA and I'd meet with the players and I'm never, I'm not a reporter right? So I'm never looking for a scoop. So I would have these conversations with these young players and then they would tell me things and I never went anywhere with it. And I would use it to kind of guide my analysis. But I think over the years, these players have sort of realized they can tell me things and they never have to worry about Lefko making it news. They could talk about their coaches. They could talk about their teammates because I'm never going to try and break stories, not because that's not my job, but because there are so many guys out there that I don't want to compete with the Shefters in the world and the ports. It's just not worth my time. Um, the other thing is, is that I I really try to go into every situation celebrating them. I think a lot of people that do my job, they want to look really, really smart, and then they're willing to make jokes about the person they're on camera with. And I very much like to degrade myself to make the other person look great. So when I go on with Sean McVeigh, I'm going to talk about how he's a genius and I'm an idiot. I don't think I'm an idiot, but I want Sean to have the best time ever. I want Muhammad Sanu. And then afterwards too, like I'm going to make sure that we're pushing their social enough to where they go, wow, we're getting a lot of people that, that are, that I've never had messaging before that I really like. But I have a few tricks and tips, uh, that I'll tell young people to make people more comfortable on camera. Uh, first thing I like to do is I like to curse, and I, I, I'm i not going to curse on your show. I'll be respectful. I've seen your kids, and they seem adorable, and I don't want to ruin their minds. But when I'm with an athlete, I like to break down the, the walls uh, by showing them that, hey, I'm going to curse on camera and kind of break through that. Number two, I this is a, tr- a trick that I learned when I was a news reporter where I'd have to go around and, and convince people at the gas station to come on TV for 15 seconds. I would always say this. We're going to use the best four minutes that we do right here. We're going to talk for 20, 25 minutes. I'm only going to use the points where you look amazing because if you don't look amazing, guess what? You're never going to want to talk to me again and you're going to tell everybody else that they shouldn't talk to me either. And so I'm only benefited to making you look great. The other thing also is none of it's an act. You know, I don't say it to get good stuff and then hold it against them. Everything I do, I think, goes into a canon of people judging me. And so I always want to treat people with respect. And I, you know this. If you treat people great, they'll treat you great. And in the end,
3: you'll win. What a great formula. And, you know, even as you say your answers, there's, it brings up three, four, five questions every time. First of all, as far as swearing on the show, it's a podcast. You're welcome to swear if you want to. Oh, shit, uh, only- yeah, let's go. <laughs> Well, my kids, they're six, six and two. They don't know this exists. If, if I were on YouTube, maybe they'd want, ah, want to know about it and it. watch it. I mean, I can't compete with Joja Siwa and Emma and Jenny. I don't even know all those silly things they watch on YouTube, but podcasts yeah, yeah. they're not into. So you're, you're good there. Okay, good. The, the second thing is you talk about not wanting to break news, but yet you do break news. And Abrams, that was, that was big news that he played the whole second half with a rotator cuff and labral tear. And, and you know, on this podcast at the end, we have a beast of the week and he certainly was in the running. Yes. For playing through the second half that way. He's, and he was still bringing the wood in the second half. So you do break news, even yeah. though you're everybody's friend. And I didn't uh, mean to do I, that.
4: He just, he wanted me to have it. And, uh, to be honest, one of the, the show I have on YouTube is ditch the playbook. And we are going to have an episode uh, with him later on. What it's funny is, is I'm sure you have some players over the years that you just had special relationships that for some reason uh, your energies connect and you really trust each other. And Abram uh, before the draft hit me up in the DMS on Instagram and was like, I want to be on your show. And I said, well, if you're huh. ever in New York and he was like, I'm in New York tomorrow. And he came in and It was like instant. And we started my podcast and I started freestyling and he was like, you're crazy. And the thing I love about him is he lives the same way he plays. A hundred miles an hour. He'll always tell you the truth. He'll never lie to you. Maybe to a fault. Sometimes he's too honest, but... Some players you just kind of get a connection with, and when it happened, I was like, "Bro, are you okay?" And he just sent me all the information. And he said, "Man, I'm getting surgery later this week, and I'm done for the year. I tore this and this." And and I and I said, "Is it okay if I send this?" He goes, "He goes, man. If anybody's gonna tweet it out, I hope it be you." There are times where I guess I have to, but believe me, I, I I did not even want to ask about it because I felt so bad what happened. Um, uh, But when when he tells you to do it, I go, "Okay, fine."
3: Well, once again, you brought up three or four points that I'd respond to. First of all, we we sort of share that. Like, I do talk to some team doctors. I do yes. talk to some managers and GMs and sometimes coaches and players. I do hear things. I don't break any of that news. It's just not, you're, you're right. You lose their confidence if you try and do that. But people will tell me stuff and I keep quiet on it. And I just go by my visual, the video study and what's reported publicly, et cetera. And then sometimes when I talk to reporter friends, I'm like, well, can you get more details on that? No, nah, I'm not going down the reporter rabbit hole. That's not mm. what I do. Because you're right. I, a lot of the former players or even coaches, they're my friends. I don't want to go down that digging for information side. I, right. I think it, 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 it goes sideways very quickly. But I will say one thing that you mentioned, boy, I know you're everywhere, but but if you got me on YouTube, you might make me a hero in my household because, wow. you know, my kids <laughs>
4: Well, listen, man, if you're in New York, because the thing is, is look, and this is, this is a tip for podcasters in general. I have my show that's a show on YouTube, but I also do my podcast on YouTube. A lot of people over the years were like, why are we, why are you doing this? Why are you making sure that we have video cameras and doing it? And my main reason is I've never seen an audio file get shared on Twitter. I've never gone on Instagram and seen a clip of an of a, of a SoundCloud, and my thing was is we live in a world right now where we've seen this for the last decade of radio shows becoming TV shows, and my podcast is on YouTube, and the main reason is because I don't know how my audience is going to listen to me or how they're going to consume me. I just want to make sure that I'm available however they want it. Whether it's iTunes, whether it's Stitcher, whether it's YouTube, you do this and I do this because one, we love to do it and we'd probably do it if nobody was listening. But two, you reach a point where enough people are reaching out to you and messaging you that you've created a community and you're going to take all that information and maybe it's not going to be blatant the way you report it, but you're trying to get the best information to the people that are either subscribing to your website or listening to your podcast because you care about them. And so however my audience wants to consume me, I just, I want to make it easy for them.
3: That's really cool. Uh, well, the, the kids, we went to New York last uh, December, Christmas there. Maybe we'll come again. Yeah.
4: <laughs> make me a stop. I'm down.
3: That's it. Sound, sounds good. You'd make me a hero because, you know, YouTube is, is where it's <laughs> at. It's, as far as they're concerned. So let's take the last few minutes and talk about what you're doing in the gambling space. Sure. Uh, and what's out there.
4: So what's interesting is, is I have been someone that, uh, jumped really into sports betting probably about three, four years ago. Um, before I was always like, Oh, I like everybody else. I watch the games. Clearly, I think this team's going to win. I, I wish I could gamble on it. When I was doing the podcast with Sims, we would compete against each other all the time. And I kept having listeners DMing me and messaging me and being like, you're doing huge mistakes that the beginning gambler would do. You shouldn't do this, blah, blah, blah. And like everybody else, I start seeing Warren's, uh, Twitter and I, I, you start going, wow, this makes so much sense. And one time I get Warren to come on the show and his friend, uh, Bill Krakenberger goes by crack, who was in the series action on Showtime. And we just start talking. And when, when Sims left and went to NBC, I really tried to take a little bit of time and go, if I was going to create the perfect show during the season, what would my gambling show be? And it was involving Warren. And what I love about Warren is he cares about my audience as much as I do. Warren, Warren truly cares about his work. And I'm, I'm in, big into stoic philosophy and I'm, I'm big into really caring about creating things that will last. And so what we're doing now is every episode that comes out on Fridays, it's a really deep dive into the inner workings of Vegas, but also where can you find value? And last weekend, I mean, we went five and oh, and I, I know that not every weekend is going to be like that, but all of the information that we have hit. And it's not just about the public's on plus three, so then I'm going to go on minus three or trends like when you're one and two they know it's it's what I, what we're trying to do is use football information and try and find those little nuggets that might give you a little bit of an advantage so sunday night it was wow both jarrigoff and baker mayfield both of their offense are obsessed with 11 personnel both of them cannot protect their themselves well in 11 they've both been under pressure and this season both have been Awful under pressure as quarterbacks. And here comes Miles Garrett, and Aaron Donald. We think that you should go the under because football wise, it makes sense. And also from the number wise, it makes sense too. And so we want it to be real. This is not a tout. I, I don't want to come up there and go, I'm five and zero, and I'm Jimmy the Greek. And that's not what it's about. If we're wrong, we'll come on the next episode and we'll tell you why we were wrong. We're not going to, we're not going to run away from it. And I think there's not a lot of. Uh, betting shows out there that are not just doing trends and also not claiming to be the smartest people ever. Luckily with Warren, I feel like I do have the smartest person though with I
3: I, I love Warren. I, I started working with Warren. He invited me on his podcast. And the reason why I joined and, and I did it for free last season when he was doing it, because I love talking to him and Evan Silva. Evan Silva yes. is the goat of fantasy and uh, is. Warren is the goat of analytics and so forth. And I'm just trying to, you know, provide a little bit of injury information. And uh, in terms of Warren and our, and my relationship, look, Warren and you guys, you do all the analysis. But what I can tell you, let's talk about the Jared Goff-Baker-Mayfield game. Yeah. On Friday at the website Injury Index, we talked about how the Cleveland Browns started as among the healthiest teams. So their injury index grades were A, A-, minus, offense, defense, et cetera. Then all of a sudden, in one week, they lost David and Joku. They lost Christian Kirksey. But more importantly, we They're talked whole about the secondary. Yes, on Friday we said it was possible. There was no way that all four were going to start, but it was possible all four could be missing. Both corners with hamstrings. A safety with concussion and another safety with a quad. And we talked about that on Friday. And obviously their pass defense was downgraded tremendously. And there was the mismatch. Now, in the first half, it didn't fully materialize, but obviously Cup and, uh, and, uh, and Cooks did pretty well in the end and, uh, ended up, uh, uh, prevailing there. Even backups are NFL talent. And I always yes. say, look, Look, no one has a grade of an F because backups are not—they're not street guys. They're still NFL players. And my analogy is this, Adam. Like, and I said this at halftime when when Jared Goff wasn't eating up the secondary yet. I said, look, when I played high school basketball, and I'm six feet tall, and I guarded a six-four guy who was more talented than me, I could hustle and block him out. For a quarter and maybe a half. But in the end, he still got his twenty points and ten rebounds. Yes. Right. But you know, in the first little bit I might have hung with him just out of sheer energy and effort. And that's kind of what happened in the in in the game. So I try and provide injury index information. I'm not saying that the backup secondary is terrible. I'm not commenting on whether Steve Wilkes, the defensive coordinator of the Browns, will have a good scheme. That's right. for Warren for Warren to do. I'm exactly. not commenting on eleven personnel. I'm just telling you. Not It's obvious when someone's ruled out. It's obviously they asked something publicly. But, you know, the old questionable, does that mean they're playing? Does it mean they're not playing? Does it mean they're 100%? What does it really mean? And hopefully that gives a little advantage. Heck, with the Detroit Lions and Philadelphia Eagles, I've been saying along how banged up the Eagles were and how Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, Dallas Goddard, at least two of those three weren't playing and maybe even three of three. It turned out Jeffrey and, and Deshaun Jackson didn't play and Goddard had – one target, zero catches, although he suited up, probably because Philadelphia was so banged up. When we started talking about that, the line was Detroit plus seven, and it moved down to plus four, right? So not picking sides, I'm just giving you injury information, right? so The the credit
4: I'd like to give you is uh, I think that a huge advantage in the beginning of the season uh, is paying attention to the off-season surgeries and that kind of news. So that when I build my packets to prepare myself for the season, I found your website to be invaluable. Because for me to 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 remember, oh DeMarcus Lawrence and Byron Jones had off-season surgeries or to go, you know what? Allen Robinson's coming off the ACL from 2 years ago, he's going to be fine and and, and Amari Cooper. And so I, I think it's a lot of people don't realize too is that just because a guy is back does not mean a guy is full strength. And that certain injuries can linger and impact burst and and long speed a lot more. And then also people forget that the second year off of an injury is that much better. And, and they, they people kind of get caught in this notion that they're all this is the new normal. And so I, I just want to say I appreciate you because I think keeping track of injuries is the hardest thing, especially in season with as secretive as coaches get. But also, you know, when Lane Taylor. Uh, from the Green Bay Packers goes on IR, he's no longer listed on the Packers injury report every week. You have to remember that one, their starting guard got put on the IR, and now they're relying on Elton Jenkins. And I, I think it's invaluable because, you know, we, we remember, oh, they got Aaron Rodgers, they got Jair Alexander, but it's that offensive line. It's the D line. It's what is their depth now compared to the beginning of the year, and that's where that stuff becomes just must-have information.
3: Well, that's what I try and do. And I will tell you this, Adam, like you could probably transport me back to 9 a.m. West Coast time in Las Vegas and give me a $1,000. And I don't think I'm going to make any money because I don't necessarily know how all the scores ended up exactly. But I can tell you what happened with T.Y. Hilton and exactly and how bad Saquon Barkley's high ankle sprain is or uh, you name any number of injuries. So that purely is my focus, which is the lane I try and stay in, right? Injuries, not not the other uh, stuff, but look, I promised you 20 minutes. We're, we're at that. I Look, we could talk for an hour or for more. Hour, bro. Thank you. Thank you so much. Look, I get now totally why everyone opens up to you, has fun with you, and you're able to do all this. You got the whole package here. Anytime, my friend, you're a new friend in my book, and I really appreciate you.
4: That's awesome. Hey, if you and the kids are in New York, bring them by the Bleach Report Studios. We'll get you on YouTube, and we'll get that street cred up.
3: <laughs> That's what I need. That'll that, that'll be that'll be a great Christmas present for me. The kids will actually maybe care. They don't they don't think anything else. Thank you again for your time. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back with the injury roundup for the week.
0: More now with Dr. David Chow, the Pro Football Doc.
1: Welcome back for the final segment of the Pro Football Doc podcast. We'll do the injury rundown for people coming out of week three and what week four might look like, as well as finishing up with the feast of the week. Uh Good news here. We don't have a lot of new quarterback injuries. Drew Brees had his surgery. going to be six weeks and be fine. Big Ben just had his surgery out in L.A. They're saying it's quote not Tommy John, but it's still similar to Tommy John. They're saying he'll be ready for next season. I hope so. The big quarterback news is Cam Newton has already been declared out for next week. Ron Rivera of the Panthers is saying, we're going to wait till his foot, his list Frank Spring is 100%. Most times you play guys at 85 or 90. I think Kyle Allen's success on Sunday allows the Panthers the luxury of saying, Cam, you need to be 100%. So it's probably, it's at least another week. It might be two or more before, uh, Cam gets to 100%. My, I would I'd imagine if Cam gets to 95 and uh, Allen doesn't do well, we'll see Cam again the following week, but uh, that's to be determined there. Quite a few running back injuries here this week, and we'll run through some of these. Of course, the big one is Saquon Barkley with the uh, high ankle sprain. talked about that in-game at the website and, and at ProFootball.com, the uh, Twitter site. Confirmed high ankle sprain in a boot getting an MRI, but no surgery, no IR. That's the good news. The bad news is he's going to be lucky to play in October. He's not playing in September. Um, late October is possible, in about four weeks. Early November is more likely, but there are different reports, four to eight weeks, I think more four to six weeks. And uh no surgery, that's good, but that's Saquon Barkley. A lot of other running backs uh, for the uh, Falcons. Ido Smith got a concussion, and uh, Kenyon Barner, his backup, got a concussion. So it's Devonta Freeman or Buss for the uh, Falcons. Royce Freeman had a shoulder injury. Philip uh, Lindsay left the game for an undisclosed injury but returned and was fine. LaShawn McCoy retweaked his ankle. Had a productive game, retweaked his ankle. We'll have to follow that up and see how he is. But I still think he has a chance to play. Damian Williams, his counterpart, missed with a knee contusion. I think he's got a chance to come back next week, but we'll see. Tevin Coleman, with his high ankle sprain in San Francisco, is still in a boot as of 919, so I don't think he's close yet. Josh Jacobs, illness and his groin. 10 carries 44 yards. I'm still more worried about his groin than his illness. Hopefully he'll get better for next week. Marlon Mack with his, with his ankle slash calf injury, uh, 16 carries for 74 yards and a touchdown. He didn't do too badly. And then, uh, let's go through some wide receivers. Of course, the big one here is everyone wants to know about is Julian Edelman and then T.Y. Hilton. Julian Edelman, there's lots of worry on him because it was called a chest injury and he didn't even come back to the sideline for the second. Now, admittedly, the score was out of hand, but by video all along during the game, it looked like a costal chondral junction injury. What is that? Where the hard ribs turn into soft ribs, that junction. And, of course, x-rays were negative. And now media is reporting a rib cartilage issue, which is a costal chondral issue, and maybe getting an MRI. Now, the bad news on this is these can be more painful than rib fracks. They're negative on an x-ray. They're going to be positive on MRI. And they can linger. It can bother you easily four to six weeks. But the good news is, and the bad news is, Julian Edelman's not going to practice, maybe at all this week. But the good news is, I think he's got a good chance to play. You can pretty easily do a rib rib block or numb that up. And he can play very effectively. He's a veteran wide receiver. So it may bother him for four to six weeks. He's going to miss practice time, but I don't think he's going to miss much, if any, playing time. Just to throw it in there, Josh Gordon of the Patriots dislocated a finger, then had it taped together. I think he dislocated his pinky finger, made some good catches afterwards. Your thumb, index, and long finger are way more important for catching the ball. So I'm sure it hurts, but he'll be fine. T.Y. Hilton re-injured or aggravated his quad injury. He had a very productive first half. And at the end of the first half, caught a touchdown, never went back to the sideline, just pointed to the locker room, you see over there, went in early for half, and came back with ice and, and never played again. He said he was pulled because they wanted it to get worse. T.Y. Hilton always plays through injury, but this next week, I don't think he's going to be allowed to. We'll have to wait and see. You don't want him playing a half again. You don't want him getting more injured, more long-term. They might just sit him a week here even though in the past he's always played through whatever injury he has and uh, has done very well. Stefan Diggs, week one hamstring, uh, still isn't a 100% yet, maybe. at least his production, three catches, 15 yards, uh, but he'll get there soon. Alan Hearns took a huge hit, concussion, and actually was hospitalized and stayed behind in Dallas. He is more than questionable for or you can almost just rule them out. Uh, when you stay overnight in the hospital, you're not getting cleared for the next week's game. And that pretty much sums up most of the wide receiver injuries. Uh, let's move on to some tight end injuries. Virgil Green of the Chargers had a groin issue, didn't return. Dallas Goddard, uh, no catches, one target. I, I don't even think he would have been active, except the Eagles are so banged up they needed Got to just fill out a roster of 46, healthy roster of 46. Mark Andrews has been dealing with foot issues with the uh, Ravens. He's played very well so far, but on uh, Sunday only three catches for 15 yards. It's unclear what kind of foot issue you we'll want to follow that along. And Vance McDonald has a, had a shoulder injury. No real news on it. I looked at maybe the video where he got hit in the back. No real news, so it's hard to say what his uh, status is. A few offensive line injuries. Uh, Taylor Decker for the Lions did play with his back issue and did well. Marcus Cannon with his left shoulder, uh, seemed to play well. And and that's good news for the Patriots because they just lost their left tackle, Isaiah Wynn, to injured reserve with a turf toe. Trent Brown, we never were super worried about him or the Raiders and he played Sunday. Jason Peters, more Eagles. Issues was ill. Andre Dillard is uh, back up by video, has an MCL sprain and may miss a few weeks. And the Eagles have a short turnaround this week. I would assume Jason Peters will feel better, but Dillard is what will be out for sure. And going back to Deshaun Jackson and, and Alshon Jeffrey, I don't think either one of those are going to be ready to go. So the Eagles are still going to be banged up this Thursday. Uh, John Feliciano left with a neck collar, and neck brace on. Kind of unusual. You don't see that a lot in the NFL. Eric Fisher, groin injury. uh, So he's up in question. That's it for most of the offensive line injuries. Some key defender injuries, besides Keanu Neal, Neal, who we talked about at the top of this. Malik Hooker, four to six weeks, knee scope, meniscus tear. It'll be a trim. If it were a repair, it would end his season. He had to sell it. It'll be a trim. Four to six weeks is reasonable. But think about this for the poor Colts. They started the season. Coming into the year, they were supposed to return all 22 starters. and They were all supposed to be healthy. Then ahead of week one, Andrew Luck retires because of his calf slash ankle issue. But then they still have 21 healthy starters. And their first couple weeks, they're healthy. And then last week, they lose Darius Leonard. With a reports concussion sim- symptoms after the game in this, this week. One of their best defenders. Now they lose Malik Hooker for four to six weeks. Two essentially of their best defenders. And T.Y. Hilton with his quad. Potentially their most effect, their most effective offensive player. And oh yeah, Marlon Mack has never seen some sort of calf injury, although he played well. So all of a sudden the Colts are getting banged up. Derek Wolf left with an ankle injury. Uh, Dota Hightower had some sort of shoulder injury. Big injury, Darius Slay to his hamstring, number one corner. That might be a few weeks. Justin Reed, safety for the Texans, went down several times. It seems like his right shoulder is going in and out. He's wearing a brace already. To me, he undoubtedly has a label tear and will need to get it fixed. The question is, can he continue to put it off to the end of the season? Alec Ogletree. Uh, injured his hamstring in a long, quote, fumble return, uh, but then pulled up lame, and it turned out it wasn't even a fumble, so it was all for naught, but the fumble was overturned, but his hamstring strain was confirmed. Mm-hmm. Ronald Darby we talked about being out. Uh, oh, and Mike Daniels left in a boot, the key de- defensive lineman for the Lions. So that's kind of a quick rundown of our... Uh, Injuries of the week. So let's end with the beast of the week. Uh, Thanks for joining us here. A couple of different nominations of beast of the week. Uh, Certainly Malik Hooker playing with a meniscus tear. He needed surgery, but he still finished the game and played well. He's up there. And uh, uh, blanking on the guy's name, defensive tackle for the uh, Buffalo Bills, Harrison Phillips. He apparently, it looks like, tore his ACL, went to the sideline, but still went back into the game, and then a few plays later, the knee gave out on him before he left. So he returned to the game with a torn ACL. Hard to determine that you return to the game with a torn ACL, or you play and finish the game with a torn meniscus. I'd call that a tie between uh, Malik Hooker, safety of the Colts, and uh, Harrison Phillips. D-lineman for the Buffalo Bills. That's got to be a pretty close call there between the two of them. They're both unfortunately going to need surgery. Phillips' season is done. Hooker will be back, but uh, that's pretty tough. That's that's pretty beastly to be able to uh, to do that. Anyways, thanks again for listening, and yes, do yourself a favor. Sign up for ProFootballDoc.com. I promise you'll like it. There's no charge. There's no uh, trickery there, and uh, we'll catch you again next week. Thanks for listening.